It's Thursday, December 27th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. A big story this past year was that of halted executions because of the drugs that were being used. One such case was Scott Dozier. He was set to be executed with a three-drug cocktail using fentanyl that had never been used before. But that wasn't the issue. Drug maker Alvagen sued to block the use of a sedative they make called midazolam. Chris Cudialis, reporter for the Las Vegas Sun, joins us to discuss why a judge sided with a drug company to stop the execution of Scott Dozier. Next, one of the biggest moves in basketball this year involves superstar LeBron James coming to the Los Angeles Lakers. King James agreed to a four-year deal worth $154 million after taking a personal meeting with Lakers legend Magic Johnson. Dan Beyer, managing editor at Fox Sports Radio, joins us to discuss the big move and what it means for the Lakers in the NBA. Finally, one of the more bizarre stories of the year centered around a self-help group called Nexium, which federal prosecutors say was a gateway to a secret sex cult. One of the weirder twists was that former Smallville actress Allison Mack was one of the top recruiters who was accused of brainwashing women to join. David Mack, BuzzFeed News reporter, joined us to detail what this cult was all about. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. How do you feel about the state using fentanyl to kill you? I think it's awesome. I mean, it's killing people all over the place. You guys get pharmaceutical-grade fentanyl and just bang me up, man. He's a shit ton. Do you think you deserve the death penalty? No, I don't, though, actually. However, I think that if Jeremiah Miller's family really thinks I killed him, they should have the opportunity to kill me. Joining us now is Chris Cudialis, reporter for the Las Vegas Sun. A Las Vegas judge halted an execution of Scott Dozier. He was uh, sentenced to die at 8 p.m., but they stopped it. It was going to be the first time that they used a different three-drug cocktail that included fentanyl, but that really wasn't the drug that was at issue. The company that makes the sedative midazolam was suing to get the execution stopped. What was the case there? What, what happened? Alvagen, the producer of midazolam, told the Nevada Department of Corrections and the reason they were in court was they did not know until last week when the drug cocktail was released by the Nevada Department of Corrections that their product was being used in the execution. Their attorney for the case, Mr. Todd Bice, said that if they had known that in advance back when the drugs were purchased in May, that they wouldn't have made the sale in the first place. And how that works is the Nevada Department of Corrections purchased the drug from a third-party distributor, Cardinal Health, here in Nevada, therefore skirting Alvagen. That's how they were able to obtain the drug without Alvagen knowing. Now, the reason that it took so long is because by state law, they're not required to issue the information on the drugs until a certain amount of time prior to the execution. It's less than a week, but yeah, it's sometime it's, in that time frame. Yeah, I think it's a week's and, notice that you got to give. And, and you're right. And that's when they got word of it, that their drug was going to be used and they wanted to put a stop to it. One of the interesting things about it, though, is kind of the reasonings that they gave. It really sounded like using our drug for executions is bad for business. We don't want to be a associated with this. They even cited a bunch of other quote-unquote botched executions where they used midazolam and they said our drug is not designed for this. Like you said, they cited mostly the business aspect of it. There wasn't a whole lot of moral implications that were in, referred to more so than the company just doesn't want their name, their brand associated with 
execution. In fact, Mr. Tice said that the products are designed to do exactly the opposite of that. It's used in anesthesia to help patients relax and hopefully have successful pain-free surgeries. So the goal of Alvagen in this case was just to remove their name from capital punishment, execution, and the bad PR, if you will, that comes along with that. Let's take a step back real quick. Who is Scott Dozier? Why is he on death row? Scott Dozier has been on death row now for almost 11 years after being convicted in 2007 for the murder of 22-year-old Jeremiah Miller here in Nevada. The story was Dozier was a methamphetamine dealer back at the time, had Miller working for him, and, and during a exchange, shot Miller, was convicted of cutting his body up, dismembering it, and dumping it in a wastebasket, a dumpster. He was convicted of that in 2007. The crime happened in 2002. Also convicted in Arizona of murdering a man there, Jason Green, and dumping his body out in a desert. So convicted for two murders, and he's been in death row for over 10 years now. He's one of these guys that is known as a quote-unquote volunteer. He didn't want to have any more appeals to his case or anything like that. So he's basically giving up his right to live now. He wants to die. He's said as much. And even being executed with a fentanyl, he's like, just bang me up, man. Give me a ton of it. That's why this particular case is so interesting because he's not even fighting for his own life anymore. It's the fight that the drug makers don't want to have their drug being used in it. There's so many other things at play. The ACLU here in Nevada is working very hard to get as much information as they can regarding Department of Correction procedures, communications between state officials, anything that they can to promote transparency. And obviously the ACLU, a group that is against the death penalty in general. But you mentioned, Oscar, the fact that Scott Dozier voluntarily said that he wants to be executed. He waived his rights in October 2016 to petition and to, to protest that. Of the 12 Nevadans that have been executed since 1979, only one of them has not given up their right to appeal. So even though the death penalty exists here in Nevada, you have hundreds of inmates on death row. And the only way essentially that these people will be executed as state law goes is if they waive their right to an appeal. And even then, as we're seeing with Dozier, it's very difficult to make it happen because he's made clear now for almost two years his intent to die and his wish to do so to be put to death. This case right now isn't even happening on moral grounds. It's very much a business thing. And there's more and more of these drug makers that don't want their drugs used. They're not supplying them to states. And states' supplies of these drugs are running out. So they're turning to different forms and different drug cocktails. That's why they were going to try fentanyl this time. Chris Cudialis, reporter for the Las Vegas Sun, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Oscar, for your time. Ron, welcome to Los Angeles. This is so exciting that you're coming to the city of stars. And you, without any doubt, are going to be the biggest star of all on the court and off the court. I love it. Joining us now is Dan Beyer, Fox Sports Radio Managing Editor and the co-host of Fox Sports Sunday. Exciting news. LeBron James is now a Laker. Big thanks to Magic Johnson for pulling this all through. What's his deal worth? Why did he come to L.A.? 
Well, LeBron's going to get a four-year deal worth $154 million. And the amazing part about it really isn't the $154 million, is that LeBron James has committed not one, not two, not three, but four years to the Los Angeles Lakers, which is a pretty big deal because, for one, LeBron is playing on a series of short-term deals in Cleveland, and it allowed him great flexibility and also the options to look elsewhere, which allowed him to be a Laker. But what this does is, while many other stars, they account Kevin Durant at Golden State, who just signed a two-year deal recently but can opt out after one. This gives the Lakers a little bit more breathing room to build a winner, to build back showtime. That is really key. Now, it's really tough to turn down Magic Johnson. We had heard that LeBron exactly. met with Magic along with his representatives. And it's a difficult thing to look into Magic Johnson's eye and say, no, we know that LeBron looks up to him, right. that he loves his business savvy. All of that went into it. I know everybody in Lakerland is like, we've got LeBron James. The great thing about it is you've likely got LeBron James for three or four years. Right. Something to definitely build off. You mentioned Magic Johnson. Uh, he definitely looks up to him and respects his business acumen. LeBron James specifically, his, he has a summer home here in L.A. His business partners and advisors moved here recently. He has a production company and a media thing that he's trying to get going. So it really makes sense for him to want to be out here as well. And LeBron isn't the first to do it. There have been other players that have looked at life after basketball, but it is a big thing if that's where LeBron wants to go. It only seems natural for him to be here. And not only with everything that you've talked about that he's doing, I mean, you've got like a Space Jam 2 movie that is that is coming out, that a trailer should be released soon on that, that he's involved in. So this just seems like a, a, a natural fit. When you look at those and you bring all those points, it almost makes it an obvious decision that LeBron joined the Lakers. Talk about LeBron James as a player, the Lakers haven't been doing well. The Cavaliers, by all accounts, you know, he was carrying that team the past few years. Beyond that, even since the decision in 2010 and everything and his decision to leave the Cavaliers and then come back later, the NBA is a player's league now. And mm-hmm. and he's kind of at the forefront of all this, helping change what the NBA is. Yeah, Oscar, there's some that say it may be difficult to play with LeBron, but I think that you're going to find more and more people saying that it's easy to play with LeBron. Sure, there's responsibility that comes with it, but when he went to Miami, he played with his good friend Dwayne Wade, and they brought along Chris Bosh, and LeBron was still able to rise to the top of that big three. Joined the Cavaliers again when he went back, as you mentioned, when Kyrie Irving was there, and then they swung the deal with Kevin Love, and I think you're going to see future players end up coming to LA, but the key point is, is that for as great as LeBron is, there are opportunities for other players. Now, if you want to be a superstar like Kyrie Irving did, didn't really necessarily work out, kind of wanted his own light, but there will be players that want to team up with LeBron and the Lakers now have set themselves up to bring in those players over the next couple of years. It's also a big win for Jeannie Buss trying to transform the team after, um, you know, she was left taking care of them. Talk about that a little bit. She had to fire her brother. And, right, and exactly. that's not an easy thing to do. And when you had Mitch Kupchak, who was there for a while, as well as the team's general manager, those weren't easy moves to make. A little bit easier when you can bring in someone like Magic Johnson to be the president of the organization. And Rob Palenka, who was Kobe's agent at one time and affiliated with him, could come in and be the general manager and have contacts throughout the league. There was some question because of the pedigree. Maybe they weren't in front offices for 20 years prior and didn't build themselves up. But you bring in Magic Johnson to be Magic Johnson. 
Clinton. And I think that was a key move. And in addition to that, that's who Jeannie Buss trusts. And as crazy as it sounds, she trusted Magic Johnson with the franchise. And now whether she did or didn't with Jim Buss, you can draw your own occlusions, but Jim Buss isn't there anymore. But she trusted that Magic Johnson would do what's in the best interest of the Lakers. And I think so far he has done that. I love some of the quotes that Magic Johnson said because, you know, people were asking him about it. He's like, do you know how many finals I've been in? He's like, I'm Magic Johnson. I'm not worried about this. Oscar, let me just add, add one more thing to that. What was interesting was Magic is always Magic. And you don't have, Magic doesn't have to tell us what he did because we could always see it with him. What was unique with that and what caught me off guard of him saying that was I wondered if the Laker fan base was maybe being like, all right, Magic, we've given you guys a year. When are we going to get LeBron? When are we going to get Paul George? When are we going to get Kawhi Leonard. And I wondered if he kind of tried to be like, hey, Lakerland, I'm Magic Johnson, okay? I'm going to deal with this. I I wonder if that was kind of the message that that he was sending because usually he doesn't have to tell us what he did because he's Magic. Right. Dan Beyer, Fox Sports Radio Managing Editor, co-host of Fox Sports Sunday. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Oscar. Appreciate it. Do you believe that you, she was trying to recruit you into this group? I mean, to be honest, I have no doubt. Looking back at the emails, um, it's very clear that she was really pumping up the, her feminist interests um, to lure me in. Joining us now is David Mack. He's a BuzzFeed news reporter. Let's talk about this self-help group, multi-level marketing organization known as Nexium. What is it and why is it in the news right now? So Nexium was started by a man named Keith Rainier in uh, the late 90s, and it is, as you said, it's kind of like a self-help community, and within it, there are a bunch of different programs. One of them is this executive success program, which a couple of people who are involved in it have described to me as kind of like just your average kind of self-help, motivational stuff, similar to what you might see in a Tony Robbins session, a lot of the power of the individual, things like that. But there's also another group in there called JNS, which is targeted at women specifically in the group. It's about this, these members who are part of this program told me the aim of this group is to preach on the difference between the sexes according to uh, Keith Rainier and how men are biologically more trustworthy and more reliable and women have a lot more faults that need to overcome and they need to be conscious of these in order to live their best womanhood selves. And it's kind of a, a female community though, a lot of women supporting women, that kind of thing. But there's also a third secret group in this Nexium group and that such that other Nexium members didn't even know who was involved in this group, and this was a secret sex cult called DOS, which prosecutors, federal prosecutors say was set up by Keith Rainier as a sex cult pyramid scheme, if you will, where there were layers and there was a master-slave situation at multiple levels in this group, and many of the women were branded with what prosecutors say were Keith Rainier's initials. What did that brand look like? I, I saw some pictures, but please describe it. Women who were in the group were told that it was four elements, earth, wind, air, and fire as a kind of design, but what it actually is, it's, it's a kind of a series of lines, which when you uh, turn it one way on the skin, you can clearly see a K and then an upside down R, capital R as well. So obviously being the initials of Keith Rainier. Right. Just kind of hiding in plain sight. That's right. That's right. It's not maybe when you first look at it, you might not see that. But when it's pointed out to you, it's just certainly there. And that this, an image of this branding is in the federal indictment that prosecutors have unveiled. And what made this story really crazy all of a sudden was this involvement of this actress named Alison Mack. She was on a CW show called Smallville. 
How did she get involved and what's her, what is her place in this quote-unquote sex cult? She's a 35-year-old now, but many years ago she was on this show, Smallville, as you say. She was one of the top two or three leads on this show and considered kind of a love interest for a friend character for the Clark Kent character there. She hasn't had much of a career since then, but we know that for about the last 10 years or so she's been involved in Nexium and then Janus, something she posted about frequently on her social media channels. And also now prosecutors say she was the second in command to Keith Rainey as his direct slave, and she had a number of slaves underneath her as well. It's a pretty horrific picture that prosecutors have painted, where women who joined this group were told that they needed to provide some sort of collateral, this is a term that was used, in order to join this secret group within Nexium. And frequently that involved taking nude photographs and sexual photographs, but it also involved writing or saying on camera false defamatory statements about people you may love. And in for the case of Alison Mack as well, allegedly, signing over even the deed to her house to Keith Rainier, such that if she ever broke her vow to him, he would have her house. How were women chosen to be part of this group? I know she was recruiting them, but was it any woman that they felt they could coerce into this, or were they were all part of this other Nexium branch, the ESP programs? So we don't know exactly how women were chosen and what characteristics they were looking for, but we do know that they did definitely recruit from within the Nexium ranks, and then also specifically from Janus as well. So I've spoken to two women who have known Alison Mack for a very long time and was going in and out of these Nexium programs and involved in JNS. They've both said how they've noticed her change over the years and how she began, as one woman said, a kind of bratty, kind of a bit full of herself actress that you might expect and gradually become really intensely interested in this ESP program and this JNS philosophy. And prosecutors have said then that she's become obviously the second in command to Keith Rainier, helping to recruit women into uh, this secret sex cult. The two women that you talked to said that she started off very nice, very interested in them. And then how did it turn? What did she start doing to really groom them for this? Only one of the women that I spoke to was specifically asked by another woman, not Alison Mack, but another woman, uh, she says, was asked to to join this uh, secret sex cult. She declined upon seeing uh, the branding of she got out of there quick smart. But basically what they described was a really, as you said, a very intense coach-mentor relationship with Mack and, and these women, where Mack was, one of them said, the sister you always wanted. She was always available, always friendly, always willing to listen to you, even to the point where these women were told then gradually over the years to leave their partners, to leave their jobs, to move up to Albany in upstate New York where this group was headquartered and even to, uh, in one woman's case, had her diet monitored by Mac. Prosecutors have said that Keith Rainier preferred extremely uh, thin women. That was his sexual preference. And one of these women told me about how Alison Mack underwent this massive weight loss while she she was already a small woman. She was already very thin, yeah. She lost even more weight under this time in this group. She described how she saw Alison counting out lettuce leaves in her salad and they've described how over the years obviously in addition to losing weight she became more sort of quick to anger nexium is the big umbrella corporation then the smaller group within that is the JNS, which is focused specifically on women. Following that, they recruit you into this DOS group, which is the quote-unquote sex cult. That seemed to be the map that I was given of the group, because DOS was described to the women as a kind of a group that was just for women, that they didn't know that it was that Keith Rainier was actually at the top of this little secret group within them. 
So they were recruiting then from this JNS group. I should mention these programs all cost thousands and thousands of dollars. Keith Rainier and Allison Mack have been charged with sex trafficking and other sex crimes. Where are they now? I know Allison is uh, out on bail and uh, she's in California currently. That's right. So uh, she's under house arrest in California and she's also been barred by the judge from contacting any person that's associated with Nexium. We should say she's on $5 million bond. Her parents have also put up a, a deed to their house in order to get her out. And he's in jail. No, no bond for him. They're really pressing forward with this case. Obviously, very horrific details. We can expect that prosecutors here in uh, the Southern District of New York are very serious about pursuing this. David Mack, BuzzFeed News reporter. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.